0: Two, two Swing
1: a long Deep left. Way hey, everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by JJ Cooper. JJ, the day has finally arrived. Yay! Opening day. You know, everyone has different favorites, right? If you're a prospect junkie, like the Fall League is your favorite day. I know Josh Norris, who loves prospects. Arizona Fall League roster release day is his favorite <laughs> day of the year. For other people, it's the first day of spring. You know me. I'm, I'm an MLB guy. I always have them my whole life. Opening day to me is my favorite day of the year, baseball calendar or otherwise. And I, for one, I, I know we have the Japan series, and that counts. But Major League Baseball being played all together across the nation, to me, opening day is the best day of the year.
0: I do love opening day. Uh, you know, the thing that's awesome about it is, is that baseball, what stands out about it is, is that it's always there during the summer. Like, you know, spring, summer, and early fall, unlike other sports, you pretty much, I mean, you have games every day. And what we do, there are times where it feels daunting because if you're trying to keep track of what's going on in the Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball and college baseball, it in the draft, there are times where it feels like there, you are standing in the middle of the rapids of the Colorado River and it's just pouring over you. And it's like you're being asked to try to drink it all in and it's just not possible. But, um, but opening day is a day where it's like, you know what? We're not into the routine of the season yet. We have this day where I'm really excited. Like, you know, hey, Philly's Braves, first, you know, first series of the season. I'm really excited to watch that. And there's a lot of stuff coming up where it's like, okay. But, you know, again, by you get to June, July, and it's like it's just your faithful friend that's there every day. But opening day is a little different. Opening day is this, okay, we've been waiting for this.
1: And we've been waiting. It's finally here. JJ and I are previewing the American League today. JJ, the National League really stole all the headlines this offseason. You look in terms of the biggest free agent signings. Bryce Harper signed with the National League team. Manny Machado signed with the National League team. Patrick Corbin, A.J. Pollock, Josh Johnson, Yasmani grandal Some of these guys were already in the National League, but they just stayed there. Most of the biggest signings were signed by National League teams, and even the biggest trades, and again, J.T. Real Muta, and Paul Goldschmidt, they were already in the National League, but they stayed in the National League, just in terms of player movement this offseason. It was extremely National League heavy. In some ways, the biggest American League free agent signing was Michael Brantley to the Astros, Charlie Morton to the Rays, Yusei Kikuchi to the Mariners. All good players, all of which will help their teams, but definitely lacks the star quality of a Harper, of a Machado, and you could argue even a Corbin or a Pollock. And on the trade side, again, Goldschmidt and RealMuto on the NL side, the AL side, I mean, that Edwin Encarnacion, Carlos Santana, Jake Bowers, you
0: know, Rays,
1: Indians, Mariners three-way. You yeah. love
0: Yandy Diaz and that, you got you know. Uh,
1: yeah, Jerks and ProFar, A's, Rangers three-way deal. I mean, there there wasn't a ton of headline moves involving American League teams this offseason. And for me, that kind of means the balance of power remains the same. I can see 18 different scenarios playing out in the National League. The American League, it's very, very tough for me to see the winner of the league and the three best teams in the league not being the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros, just because so much was stable.
0: Uh, I Yankees, Red Sox, Astros. I mean, the thing about it is, is the American League, kind of what you're saying. There does feel like that there's much more. Like we talk about the NL East, you know, when you're doing your National League podcast with uh, with Matt, and you're talking about four teams that you can construct plausible three and a half that you can construct plausible paths to uh to winning the division i would say four straight up you know and i'm a little more skeptical on the mets uh you know (laughs) but but you compare that yeah you look at the american league right now how many teams in the american league can we say are legitimately come into the season better than the teams that left last year i And I
1: think the answer is two, and that's something we'll get into, where I think that that answer is the Yankees and Astros. And there are some teams who made some improvements. You know, the Twins did make some improvements.
0: I was going to say, to me, they're starting from way further away. But the Twins are the most improved team. Like, again, the Yankees and Astros have made tweaks around the periphery of teams that were already really good. And I
1: think they are better than they were last year. But, yes, your point stands that, Again, I think you can point to 10 teams in the NL who got better this offseason. The American League, we're debating over three, maybe four. I mean, again, there's teams who made some changes. Again, the Angels springing in Jonathan Lucroy and Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey. Those things you know, could possibly help, but it's not on the same level as what we saw teams in the National League doing, and that's why I think the American League... It's interesting because I, I can see both sides of the same coin on the one hand it means the balance of power Probably remains the same in terms of the teams we expect to be the when best When you
0: say balance of power you're talking about within the American Within League. the American League Because when, when I think of of power the other thing I think of it is The balance of power in baseball has resided ha-
1: in the American And League. that has shifted, right, but with, in terms of within the American League, within this controlled the environment The
0: same teams are the, the best teams in the American League this year that were last year
1: and To me, it's just gonna be interesting to see if, okay, is there someone that can rise up? Because inevitably, there's someone you never really see coming. Um, I did pick the A's last year as my sleeper team. Now, I didn't think they'd win 97, but I thought they'd be a lot better than people realized. So I had that one right. I did not think the Rays would be good last year, and they were good, so I had one right, one wrong. Part of the reason I picked the A's last year to be better than people thought is I saw a lineup one through nine that was very, very deep and very, very balanced and I saw an extremely deep group of pitchers. Now they had to go deeper into that group than I ever anticipated, 13 different guys making at least five starts. But just having that, okay, one through nine lineup, no weak spots, and a deep group of rotation, a deep rotation you can pull up from from AAA. When I look at the rest of the American League this year, when I'm trying to make my quote unquote sleeper picks, I don't see another team like that among the non-conventional contenders, where I say, you know what? One through nine, that's a pretty good lineup, and there's the deep well of pitchers. I see teams that have one or the other. I think the Blue Jays' lineup has a chance to be better than people think it is, but, well, yeah. I, but I don't see the deep well of pitchers. I think the White Sox pitching staff has a chance to be better than people think it is, but I don't see the lineup. So
0: I, I think for me, it's tough for me to really find a true sleeper in the league this year. I, I guess it really, you know partly comes down to the definition of sleeper because— I mean, again, we're talking about the Twins. I think the Twins have a realistic chance of winning their division. Now, are they a sleeper, though? Because they're actually a team that you can point to and say, they're legitimately better. And not only that, they're better. And of the teams we just talked about, the teams who have been the powers for multiple years now in the American League, like, you know, the Red Sox are going to be really good again. The Yankees are going to be really good again. The Astros are going to be really good again. The Indians... Are clearly not the team that was, you know, this close to winning the World Series a couple of years ago. Doesn't mean they won't make the playoffs, because they still could. But I don't think you could, if you ask anyone who, you know, in the Cleveland Indians dugout, hey, is this team as good as the one you guys had a couple of years ago? Well, for one, there aren't a ton of players who, you know, there are a number, but there aren't a ton of players who are from that uh, you know 16 team that are still there. But if you ask them, it's like, no, I mean, clearly they're not. They still have a really good pitching staff. You still have two MVP
1: candidates on the left side of the diamond. But One of
0: whom is not going to be on opening day, you know, right. available
1: on opening day, and you hope he comes back soon. And Jose Ramirez did just have an X ray on his knee. Everything appears
0: fine, but something to consider. <laughs> they're not going to be as good at catcher. They're not going to be as good in the outfield. They're not going to be as good in the bullpen. You know, that's a team, you know, as we kind of dive into this, that's a team that is hoping to hang on more than anything else. And,
1: and that is something we will dive into. I, I want to start, though, with the Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Defending World Series champion, and not just defending World Series champion. And, and I don't know if it's gotten enough play, as it, sh- you know, the play it deserved. People still talk about the 98 Yankees, as they should. That team was incredible. They won 114 games. The Red Sox winning 108 games last year in an era of, you know, the, the Yankees had expansion teams to pick on, the Rays, that year in 98. The Red Sox didn't have that. 108 wins last year, then to go 11-3 in the postseason, dispatching a really good Astros team in five games, and a good Dodgers team in five games. This is one of the best teams of the last 20 years, and I mean, this was a truly historically good team. Yes. They led Major League Baseball in runs, in hits, all three slash categories. And a lot of that team is still coming back. They re-signed Nate Iavaldi, they extended Chris Sale, they kept Rick Porcello. There's some questions about, oh, you know, are they gonna to have to trade him, get under the luxury tax threshold? The one area they didn't bring everyone back is on the one hand, the area you can kind of recycle guys in and out the easiest. But on the other hand, if you don't do it successfully, it's just a backbreaker, and that's the bullpen. They Craig Kimbrell is still a free agent, Joe Kelly signed with the Dodgers. And we saw the Red Sox have to use a lot of their starters to make their bullpen viable last postseason. And they did it brilliantly, but you can't do that over 162 games. So, J.J., given that, are the Red Sox... Because I think you still have to consider them the team team to beat, because they are. They're the team with the ring. They're the team with the target
0: on their back. For you, is this still the team to beat in the American League? Yeah, because, I mean, again, if they lose 10 more games than they did last year... They're still flirting with 100 wins. That's a 98-win team. You know, that's still really good. And they clearly, I, again, the bullpen's not very strong. The bullpen was not very strong last year. I mean, it just wasn't, you know. And so I do think you just hit on it. If there is, a, if there is an area that you can fix during the season easily, it is the bullpen. And... What we've also seen, which they showed last year, is if you said, well, we've only got two guys that we really rely on and believe in in the pen and the postseason rolls around, well, huh. Okay, well, some of these starters. David Price, yeah. go, go warm up. Go, yeah. go, 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 go so close this out for us. They made that work. You know, so, again, all they have to do is find two to three guys who they believe in who can really work you know and again they do have a very solid rotation which makes it a little easier to kind of work out some of those problems in the pen
1: you're always a little nervous about how many innings nate uvaldi will actually pitch yes but but there there are enough guys here where you you feel okay about this pitching staff even though the bullpen will need to be addressed that all said i think you and i are in agreement that the red Sox are. An Excellent team that mm-hmm. we expect to be back in the postseason.
0: If they're not I'll be shocked
1: In our World Series predictions in the Major League Baseball preview on newsstands now You however picked the Astros to win the World yes. Series this year. I picked the Yankees to win the World Series So I want to start with you and the Astros What mm-hmm. for you are the main driving factors between your decision to you know pick the Astros to get back to the World Series win it for a second time in three years what did they do this offseason that gave you that confidence that they can leap over the rest of the field in the American League?
0: Well, one of the things is is I believe that they will be healthier this year. I think, I mean again, that was a very good Astros team last year, but that was a very good Astros team that wasn't healthy. That was not Jose Altuve Again, not that he missed massive amounts of time. He was not 100%. But he was, he was not 100%. I remember and,
1: watching, watching him uh, limp over home plate in the postseason. To me, that was one of the iconic images. He was playing on one
0: leg. Right. Okay, so you get a healthy Jose Altuve. You get a healthy Carlos Correa, which you did not see last year. You have a... Springer missed some time. Springer missed time. So you put those things together. Their bullpen, unlike... you know, They really kind of tried to solve their bullpen last year during the during the season, and they did. And then they kept, you know, Ryan Presley is a very key addition for them that you saw last year, he's back. Um, You also, with them, you're going to, at some point this year, add Forrest Whitley. And I think that adding Forrest Whitley is going to be a very valuable addition to the uh, rotation or the bullpen, wherever he ends up pitching. But I, I just look at it and say they last year We're still very good despite really being banged up. And so again, there's no guarantees everyone stays healthy, but assuming that they have a little better injury luck than they had last year, this is a team that with that was, you know, a a legitimate World Series contender last year. Obviously again, ran into the Red Sox, but a very good Red Sox team. But I just look at that and say, you know, I also am quite confident that this is a team that come June, July, if they have a hole and need to fill it, they have really almost a surplus of uh, of very uh, valuable prospect talent that could be traded. Because again, I don't know how they fit right now. Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, you know, and J. B. Bukoskis, uh, Corbin Martin, you know, they they have they have more pitchers and they have more upper level position players than they necessarily have room for right now. So that kind of means that if you need to make a big move, they can make a big move. Although like we've seen in the past that they can get front of the rotation starters like Garrett Cole without giving up any of their main pieces. You know, they, you know, they, they could make that trade literally every year and acquire a guy like that. And it was like, yep, our, we, can, we can produce as much, enough talent in our farm system every year through the draft internationally to make this trade. We can trade the Colin Morans and the Jason Martins and the Michael Felizes and all every year and be quite happy.
1: I think the Astros, for me, are an interesting team because, look, they did get worse behind the plate, and that is something we saw them struggle with at times last year when Brian McCann was injured. Mm -hmm. The rotation is going to be the kicker to me. I actually want to start with the good. I think the Michael Brantley free agent signing was Mm -hmm. quietly one of the better ones this offseason. Consistent, excellent left-handed hitter, and left field was a problem area for the Astros last year. They filled it. And you know Kyle Tucker is going to get some playing time. Reddick and Brantley are both older. They've had injury. Or Brantley in particular has had injury issues. But you're not relying on a 22 year old to come up. And if he doesn't click, oh well, we're in trouble. We got nothing. So I like that addition. The rotation to me is is going to be interesting because you have Verlander and Cole at the top. They did bring in Wade Miley, who is fine. Colin McHugh and Brad Peacock have shown the ability to be fine. But I do feel like at some point you're going to have to see whether well, that's Forrest Whitley, who will be having his innings managed, J.B. Bukowskis, Josh James, Corbin Martin. Uh, some of these guys are going to have to come up and be impact guys, and it might have to be multiple of those guys. And I think they have the talent to do it, but you see it every, we see it every year four young rookie starters are not all going to click at once some you know one might have an impact right away one might take his lumps one might you know just not be ready Absolutely. so I, I think for me the astros season is going to be i want to say dependent on but i will say how far they go in the postseason will be hugely impacted by how quickly these young arms can show okay we can not only you know give you a decent serviceable start as a call up but we can hang in the rotation give you six quality innings every fifth day and be reliable and i just don't know the answer to that i think the talent is there for them to do that but there's not a lot of conviction just because pitchers are very very fickle
0: i will say though i I do think i think if they only got one hit as one one of these rookies comes up and is ready to go you know and really like steps in and it's like, okay, you know, whichever, again, take your pick of whether, you know, I know Josh James, you know, like when he comes back from injury, Josh James. You can put Framber Valdez into this yeah, as well all, if you want. They have, I mean, they literally have like four or five options. But even if you took that, you said only one of those is, if you, a, a, a rotation fronted by Verlander and Cole, which, you know, Verlander and Cole, and then says, okay, we're going to get innings from Bragg Peacock. We're going to get them from Colin McHugh. With the bullpen they have, with the lineup they have, you know, we talked about the... Those aren't bad pitchers. Right, we talked about the A's, you know, and the A's winning 97 last year. What we have seen is, really, you have these two... We are getting to the point where you have these two categories. You have the difference maker starter, which Verlander and Cole are those guys, who you're like, okay, we feel like we're going to get seven to eight out of them tonight, and it's going to be really good. And then if you don't have that, you have the, we're gonna figure out a way to get 27 outs tonight. And if that's that we're getting 12 from this guy or 15, and then we're gonna get the other you know 12 from everyone else, we think we can do that. And again, a bullpen that has Osuna, Presley, Rondon, Harris, Davinsky, and then some form of maybe some of these guys that we're talking about also, eventually a Bukoski's or eventually a Corbin Martin, or a Josh James, or a Fran Bravado's Brandon B. Lacks, or, another you guy. Know, you know All those guys, I think that that's, especially again, I think that that could be, you know, that's better than anything that we were talking about with the A's last year, who wisely, basically, Essentially, punted on much of the rotation at the end of the year. Oh well, no,
1: they did at the end of the rotation. It was not wise. They screwed up, and we talked about that. They went three and eight trying to use the opener. They were better off when they had Edwin Jackson, Trevor ran out Cahill. They were the guys though. No, nope. Jackson was healthy. Cahill was healthy. Fires was healthy. All those guys were healthy then, and they could have used them to just do things the normal way, and they would have been better off. I will fight that to the day I die. I, again, the A's I, shot themselves in the foot at the I, end of the I, year, and
0: I will continue to disagree with that because they were, I do think when they were going five innings, they were better. Twelve outs. 12 to 15 outs, if you say we are not, uh, that's where I think we are going, is, is the guys who can get you 15 outs, it's a lot easier to find than the guys who can get you 21.
1: Oh, I agree. And they should have let them get them 15 outs. No, again, that, that, that's what I'm talking three. about. This
0: is like looking at them as four to five inning guys. But again, you know, the, the Astros have, uh, the other way that the Astros could do this is say, you know what, we're going to expect Corbin Martin when he comes up to be a guy who can get us... 15 outs, and we're not gonna let him go more than that.
1: And even if he's a two or three inning long man in the bullpen, there's enough arms, right. and that's where you're right. The Astros have the depth of arms where you can feel almost more secure about it, even though they did lose Charlie Morton and Dallas Keuchel to free agency. For me, I pick the Yankees, and even I have a little bit of conflict about this. The Yankees took a 100 win team, they got a heck of a lot stronger, Bringing in Adam Ottavino, I thought that you know the trade for pa- or for uh, James Paxton was a solid move, even though Paxton's health was always a little bit iffy. They did a really nice job bringing in some middle infield depth with DJ LeMahieu, Troy Tulowitzki. The Yankees, to me, are the deepest team in Major League Baseball, but I don't love the starting pitching depth. But there, there's enough arms you feel good about it, and they add enough guys. I'm just talking about like the young guys at AAA who can come up. They're a little short of those guys, but. By adding what they added, they added Gio Gonzalez on a minor league deal, which I thought was a fantastic addition. You know, if Domingo Herman and Luis Cessa take steps forward, like there's still guys there, and I think they will be enough. To me, the Yankees are, are, they were my pick to win the American League East. They're my pick to win the American League, and they're my pick to win the World Series. So, I, So I want to start with that. Start with the good. I clearly believe in these guys. The one thing that's Kind of not bugged me, but I think we have to be aware of is that we think of this as this great offense. Judge, Stanton, Torres, Andahar. You see guys like Voigt come up last year, DB. Gregorius found power. Obviously, he's going to be out with TJ for a little bit. But I don't know if it's truly appreciated just how much of a bandbox Yankee Stadium is. And when I say bandbox, I don't mean, oh, it goes hitter friendly. Pull up all the park factor measurements you want. In the American League, the most hitter-friendly park is Texas. The Yankees are number two. we don't two. know,
0: that's, and that may be going away, because we don't know Yan- how the new one's the going The Yankees
1: to be. are number two. The Yankees are not a, oh, we're slightly hitter-friendly. This is one of the five or six most hitter-friendly parks in all of baseball. Look at whatever factor you want. Home runs, runs, hits. It's Texas in the American League, and of course you have Coors, you have Cincinnati, you have Philly. Yankee Stadium's right there, uh-huh. and it makes this offense seem a little better than it is. Now, a lot perfect road home home road splits aren't perfect because every team's a little bit worse on the road than they are at home. Not every and, team, and
0: a lot of teams and and most teams who have a really advantageous home park struggle more on the road. So, so the Yan- Colorado the, the Coors effect has been real for many
1: years, and the Rockies finally figured out how to be good on the road last year, and it made a difference. The Yankees on the road last year hit 238, 314, 430. That 238 average is worse than what the Giants and Orioles hit all of last year. It would have been 25th in Major League Baseball. On base percentage of 314, would have ranked 20th in Major League Baseball, just the total overall season numbers. The slugging was still good, but it's kind of barely top third in the American League. It's not top dogs. So for me, I. I'm a little concerned just about, you know, this Yankees offense, look, it is a good offense. But this idea that it's a top three or four offense in the American League doesn't always hold up to scrutiny when you just take the park factors into it. You look last year, Gary Sanchez struggled, period, but away from Yankee Stadium, he was really bad. Aaron Judge, away from Yankee Stadium, a lot worse. Brett Gardner, Didi Gregorius, even Glaber Torres. You know, Glaber put, you know, was... 238, 335, 431 away from Yankee Stadium. It's not terrible, but it's not MVP, you know, rookie of the year caliber. Funny enough, Miguel Andahar is, you know, Andahar and Stanton hit just fine away from Yankee Stadium. But again, on the whole, it is a significantly weaker lineup. And that's what gives me pause about this team more than anything else is that I think this is a very good offense. I don't know if it's a great offense just because Yankee Stadium is such a bandbox that it inflates a lot of things. So I think that's my reservation. So, so, but for me, okay, you measure the reservations you have about all these American League powers. My reservation is, okay, the Yankees road offense. The Astros, it's the back of the rotation. The Red Sox, it's the bullpen. The Yankees thing you worry about to me is probably the one I'm least worried about over the course of the entire right, cause season. Right, because you still
0: think it's a very good lineup, right. do you not? So, I mean, because so, so, it's a very, you know, like, again, still you start with Judge and Stanton, and you say, okay, we're we're in pretty good shape as a, you know, again, if Gary Sanchez is halfway between what he was two years ago and last year. He's a really good hitter. Glaber right. Torres, okay, he did tail off on the road, but Glaber Torres was like is was one of the top prospects in baseball and is coming off of a year he mashed so much at at home that he was great and for
1: me i'm a big believer in you're only as strong as your weakest link and if this is the yankees weakest link it's the strongest of the weakest links among all the contenders and, and that and again they're my pick i believe in them i just think it's going to be something to watch for as this year unfolds
0: i, I also love that bullpen
1: yes it's hard not to <laughs> yeah you know, love that bullpen. Um, well, I want to see if you know Tommy Canley can, can get back to what he was. That would be that obviously be nice. But you know, and they did lose David Robertson. But to free agency. Adam, Adam but he, Alavito
0: but, equals is there, there, right, their their plan is Adam Alavito equals David Robertson.
1: There, and there's enough guys there. There's enough depth there. You can there's enough guys you can shift from the rotation into the bullpen. I think of a, of a guy like Domingo Herman. There are going to be a lot of different guys coming out of the bullpen in the 6th and 7th inning this year that will blow you away and get you out. And mm-hmm. I think that puts the Yankees in really good position. I do want to talk about who's going to be 3rd. Because I think we can agree, even if you think the Red Sox are going to win the division, which is a fair argument, I think we can agree the Yankees and Red Sox are 1-2. JJ, you've been the Rays champion for a while now. Mm-hmm. Do you see a scenario in which the Rays sneak in to 2nd place or by some... Unexpected turn of events even
0: first place or is this a third place is the best they can do team? I think second is possible But I think they also could finish third and go to the playoffs which to me You know if they don't they don't have to catch the Red Sox or Yankees to be a successful season You know 90 wins is a is not a successful season last year. because They didn't make the playoffs. It's a very good You know surprising but The thing that stands out with that is is and again part of this is is let me just be the first to acknowledge i don't know how they won 90 games last year like if you look at it i really do feel like that this team should be better in 2019 than they were in 2018. that said i can't fully explain to you how they won 90 games last year so they could be better in my mind and still like finish with 90 wins and go yeah okay that they they did really well this year. They won ninety and they didn't make the playoffs because it's possible we saw it happen last year. In, in
1: theory, you, it does have some. Hey, this team won eighty six games, but it's a better team. And we did see last year too the fact that the Orioles were so bad allowed a lot of the AL East teams to kind of have their good pa- news had pa- pa- their win totals. Good a little news bit. guys, it ain't changing this year. So so, so, so that that is I think you
0: do have to take that into account a little bit. But yes, that um, <laughs> that that should not change. In 2019, I mean, again, it's going to be hard for them to lose as many games right. as they did 47,
1: last year. 47-115 is historically bad, but but moving back to the Rays, and again, I, I will fully acknowledge this. I am a little bit of a Rays skeptic, and it's hurt me in the past. I I, I, I don't love a lot of what they've done. I think they are a better team if they have both C.J. and Corey Dickinson in their lineup, both last year and this year, and I think they... They chose not to keep those guys, and it's a mistake, but they've proven me wrong before. I actually, you know, it's funny. I was actually kind of putting together the ALE standings. Again, if you pick up the Baseball America season preview issue, you'll have what the staff picks Mm -hmm. were, and the staff pick was the Rays in third. Me, personally, Kyle Glazer picks, I have the Blue Jays taking third place in the Rays in fourth this year.
0: I would disagree with you on that. By the way, oh, I know, and I, I that's will say, But by the way, I've been uh, wrong I will before. Out. I'll
1: be wrong again. It's just something I, I kind of feel at this exact moment in time.
0: the 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 surprising thing is, is so I look up. Here's their records last year. The Rays were eleven and eight against the Orioles, so they were winning, but it wasn't like they were eight and eleven. They against, didn't go fifteen and two. They were eight and eleven against the Red Sox. They were nine to ten, nine and ten against the Yankees. They were. They did beat up on the Blue Jays, thirteen and six, and they were four and three against the Astros. And we talk about the best teams of the American League, they actually were, you know, again, they're slightly below 500 against them, but they. it wasn't something where this is a team that went 19-0 and against the Orioles and that's how they got yeah. to where they were. Um, uh, again, the thing that stands out to me is is that I think that the rotation, which obviously this is Tampa Bay, so maybe the rotation's a little less important. A- adding than...
1: Charlie Morton a full season, potentially Tyler Glass now Th- that should be improved. There's no question.
0: They're uh, still like their bullpen, and also their lineup wise, I think that this should be a better lineup. You got a full year of Williama's. You have um, one of the things that the Rays emphasize is versatility. Clearly. You know, there's not a whole lot of players who you say, that guy is going to play there every day, all the time. But when I look at their, like, when I look at their outfield and I say, okay, we're going into this year with Kiermaier, Fam, and Meadows, well, I like that better than I like the outfield that they entered last year with. When I look at the infield and I say, okay, a full year of Adames, I think that before long, I mean, I know that. I am not the biggest G Man Choi believer in the world, but when I say long term, you know, when you say okay, Wendell plus Brandon Lau plus Daniel Nate Robertson. Lowe, plus Daniel Robertson, not that Robertson would play first, but yes, they, but they're, again, they're like all these down. guys, and you say okay, you know, Matt Yandy Dalf- Diaz, Matt Duffy's who, still around, you know, they they have a lot of different the depth of this team. But the key part is is that to me does stand out is is that okay, a lot of it's still a little ways away. But this farm system, we saw some guys start to poke through last year. I think you're going to see more this year, and then you're going to see more next year. So again, I really do like kind of where they are because I I just think that this is a team that is on the rise that is, you know, and again, we'll have to see if they're willing to do it, but this is a team that come, uh, you know, that, that basically come June, July, if they have a hole or two, they easily have the prospect depth, if they're willing to do it, to say, we could go out and acquire someone to fix this. And they can do that without, in any way damaging their farm system. The because, only thing they'll have to do, though, potentially, is take on salary. And we've seen that's an issue. For and that, was, that is the thing that I wanna see, obviously. You know, We have to see.
1: So for me, the reason I like the Blue Jays, full year of Danny Jansen, Full year of Lourdes Guriel. You've upgraded your shortstop defense tremendously by having Freddy Galvis there. You know, at some point we're going to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. come up, probably Bo Bichette as well. I think you know this outfield group. It's not like spectacular, but Grichik, Pilar, Alford, Tioscar, Hernandez. Like, there's enough guys there that can do some things for you. I think this actually has a chance to be a really good infield. You go Smoke, you go Guriel, you bring in Guerrero, and whether it's you know some combination of You know, Galvis, Drury, Bichette kind of filling in around them. I really like this infield. I still do think Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez have enough left to be really good starters, provided they stay healthy. Ryan Barucki quietly is one of the better rookie starters last year. It does tail off a little bit there at the back of the rotation. Trusting Matt Shoemaker and Clayton Richard as a SoCal guy, watching those two last few years, no, bad plan, not going to work. But again, I'm not thinking the Blue Jays are going to win the make the playoffs. They're not. I just think that this team and the bullpen is also going to have I was some issues. Say, the bullpen, but but when, I, when you say
0: when you say the bullpen
1: has some issues, but here's the thing: they have some it, guys I like them to bring up. If you go with Sean Reed Foley, I think can help them in some form or fashion this year. Trent Thornton can help them in some form or fashion this year. There's an interesting group of guys that were in double-A, triple-A last year that I think we'll see up this year. Even if they're not huge prospect names, there's real stuff there. To me, the Blue Jays, I I think they have a chance. This was a really good offense last year that I think a lot of people didn't appreciate. I wrote about in the Baseball America season preview. And I think there's enough young arms to come up that can help them get through the season and have it be a decent season. When I say I think the Blue Jays, they're my pick for third place, I mean, though, I think I I can see a scenario where they win 84 games and the Rays win 81. I don't think they're going to go out and win 92 games this year. But I think they have a chance to be better than people are giving them credit for. Again, some of that's going to be health-related. Some of that's going to be, you know, whether or not they actually call Vladimir Grove Jr. up. Some of this is going to depend a lot on, you know, the Rays and and how they are able to replicate the success they had last year. But I just look at it... I like the Blue Jays catching situation better than I like the Rays. I like their first base situation better than I like the Rays. I like their second base situation better than I like the Rays. I give the Rays the edge at short. You know, at third base, as soon as Vlad Guerrero Jr. comes up, I like the Blue Jays third base situation better than I like the Rays. I, I just I think there's a chance I, that there is a good team in here that we can see start to take a step forward. Again, I can also see it blowing up and they
0: win 70, 70 games again. Right. Again, like the this is you, a is what you just team. said, what you just said. It's a volatile team. I don't know if Marcus Stroman's going to be pitching for the Blue Jays come August. You know, and that's part of, you know, like, I know that the Rays have kind of shifted modes. The Blue Jays are earlier in this cycle. And so if one of these teams is going to kind of blow it up even further, and again, like you mentioned, the bullpen runs out of options at the big league level right now really quickly. And it does. And, that is- and, the, and the rotation for all we talk about you're right the front of the rotation but you get to the back of the rotation and it's like as i said trusting matt shoemaker and clayton richard is not a good life plan and ryan brook not ready you know he's not healthy right now so you add that on top of it you know they run out of again they run out of arms pretty quickly um you're right though i mean again i i wouldn't be shocked at all like that if Bobachet we all talk about you know vladimir Guerrero jr but if ended up being one of the better rookies in The AL this year he
1: looked really good in spring training when I saw him. Yeah, I mean and that, that, would that, include, me that included him playing shortstop By the way not just at the plate So again, I think there's a chance and, and that for me is probably my my bold pick if you will uh, Wrapping up the East real quick Orioles 47 and 115 this year um, I apologize for stealing the stat from you but JJ swung by my desk earlier and made the point that as of this recording more than a fifth of the Orioles' opening day roster projects to be guys either that were picked up in Rule 5 or on waivers. JJ, can this team win 60 games? Can it win 55 games?
0: Yes, because it's incredibly hard not to. I mean, that's the, 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 other, the thing that just stands out, that was a historically bad team well, last year. 47 and 115, and
1: you looked at like the lineup and roster going into it. They shouldn't have been that bad. But. I will
0: say, now let me just start by saying, this lineup to start the season on paper is significantly worse than last year's. I don't think there's a question of that. Like, last year started the year with one of the best players in baseball, Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, who you know, is an, an absolutely a representative second baseman. We didn't know at that point that Chris Davis was legitimately not just bad, but the worst player in baseball by a large, worst player in Major League Baseball by a large margin, especially because you have to keep playing him. Like most players who are that productive...
1: They're you, in AAA.
0: Yes. <laughs> you, you, you give them a month, you go, it really just didn't work out, we're sorry, and then you move on. You can't do that when a player is signed for as long as he... At some point, they will. At some point, we have shifted now because... I wouldn't be shocked if it happened at some point this year. You have an entirely new front office. If Chris Davis does not show anything this year, you know, you would, I think you would look and say, okay, it's going to happen that he is going to, at some point, be, you know, released. But this team has, like, if you said guys who qualify as like, yes, it it makes sense this guy's starting. Okay, Cedric Mullins, we don't know if he can play center, but, you know, I think there's enough there where you go, okay, he could be a solid center fielder.
1: I see two guys, tops, that I think, yeah, he's a legitimate major league caliber starter right now. Their names are Trey Mancini and Jonathan Villar, and both of them are coming off of rough seasons. That's it. Those two... And I'll get, I'll
0: get us in. Cedric Mullins, there are rookies who, are being, who, are, who are, have jobs elsewhere who are... No more pedigree than Cedric Mullins. I will say Mark Trumbo is a legitimate major league caliber starting player as well. Probably
1: as a DH, but he at least. Yeah, is, but he's also hurt. You know, he's also he's on sixty-day so, DL. So, but believe, yes, so. if you're starting a lineup of six to seven guys who would not be starting for any other team, it's a tough
0: place to start. Let's just start with again, like okay, their catchers are Jesus Sucre, who as you know they picked up on you know free agent, but essentially is is on the it's kind of a borderline. MLB catcher and Pedro Severino, who they just claimed on waivers, who has yet to prove he's worthy of being an MLB catcher. Right. Rio Ruiz is their starting third baseman as the season begins. Likely, they acquired him on waivers when the Braves dropped him from their 40-man this past offseason. Richie Martin was a Rule Five pick that again, I don't know why the A's didn't protect him, but he was he's their starting shortstop likely, and he was the A's deemed him not worthy of a 40-man roster spot last December. you know, Dwight Smith Jr. is, is basically largely been seen, uh, also been Rule 5 eligible and unpicked in the past, is also seen as kind of a uh, fringe 40-man guy. That guy may be their DH on opening day. But um, this is just a lot of, the rotation is cover your eyes bad. I mean, so
1: Andrew Castro and Dylan Bundy have each had moments in their careers where like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. And I think there's a chance they're okay. But the defense behind them is probably gonna be a mess, so it won't help their cases. David Hess, I saw him on AAA last year. He's you know He he was clearly someone that deserved to be in the rotation last year. Um, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find many evaluators who say, yes, this is a number three starter in the major leagues, and that's the role he's gonna be filling for them. And regards to Mike Wright, I saw him a few years ago, and I'm just not gonna comment because it wouldn't be nice. So this, this is going to be a team that will struggle with score runs, will give up a lot of runs. I think for me, when I watched the Orioles last year, as things were really going into a tailspin, what stood out to me was it wasn't just like the players being bad. They were playing terrible baseball. They were doing things you see Little League teams do. My, my two biggest images of the Orioles last year, I was watching them on TV. There was a runner on first, 5-4-3 double play ball, ground to the third, the shortstop, and I think it was Tim Beckham at, at the time, or, I'm sorry, the second baseman, Tim Beckham, I think it was Beckham at the time, just decided not to cover second base. Just like, eh, am just going to hang out. The shortstop on a 5-4-3 double play ball had an oh crap moment and went and covered second base and turned a double play. I was like, wait, what? I, I forget if it was successful or not. I don't think it was. And then there was also one particular image as well. Just uh, There was a fly ball to right field. Uh, I mean, use your favorite cliche, can of corn, easy out, no problem. I mean, the right fielder was maybe moving it five miles an hour just like kind of dilly-dallying and it dropped in front of them so it's not just the names on your roster it's the caliber of baseball you can have all the talent in the world if you're not executing basic fundamentals you're going to lose a lot of games and that's and that's
0: that's where they will be likely improved this year is is that this is a team this is a team of guys who all are going to care most of them because you know why this is this is their shot i mean again and the other thing that i will say if i'm if you're an Oriole fan listening is that gives me hope on this is is that this is being run by Mike Elias, Sig, you know, you, these are guys who did this with the Astros. They were part of the process with the Astros. And again, they know one of the things that you do with this, when we talk about all these players who they have, their bench is basically going to be guys that they've acquired either Rule 5 or waivers. Well, one of the things you have when you have a terrible roster is we see the Giants doing this also right now, is you churn. And what you're hoping is, is that because you have the at-bats and the innings to give guys that other teams don't, and you have the room on the 40-man roster that other teams don't, you're gonna put out some really bad players by Major League standards by doing that. However, you hope to find one, two, or three guys who you go, oh, this guy's better than we thought. This guy's made improvements. And he's going to be part of our future team. By the way, along those lines, if, if I will be shocked if Michael Givens is an Oriole come August because he could help. He'll be somebody. their all-star representative, and then they'll trade him. But he could help somebody. Yes. And and Michael Givens being able to help somebody help helping the Orioles team right now is not necessarily <laughs> part of the plan. You
1: hey, know? we're down four, but you haven't pitched in five days. Go get an inning. That's right. that's going to be a lot of Michael Givens here. The AL Central, we, we talked about this a little bit. So we've established the hierarchy of the East. The, the Central, we've talked a lot about the Twins have gotten better, the Indians have gotten worse. The million-dollar question is, have the Twins gotten better enough to overtake the Indians in the Central, yay or nay?
0: 50-50. So I'm going to say yay because, again, I think, I think one of these teams has essentially hit its limit from an ownership standpoint, what they're willing to spend. And so, whereas the other, having not won recently, is more willing to make those moves. So, you know, if I say over the course of the season, like, a couple things. One, I think wherever the twins are when the season begins, I do think that they're gonna be better as the season goes on. Partly because I think they have a couple of guys, it would not shock me. You know, Alex Kirloff's not that far away. Royce Lewis, probably another year away. But if you told me that Alex Kirloff's ready to help that team come second half of the season, wouldn't stun me. It's a really good hitter. Um, But beyond that, you know, again, then you got these guys at AAA, like, okay, what you know, is Fernando Romero going to help them at this one point this year? Guys like that. But the other thing is, is if they need to make moves, and keep emphasizing moves, because that's how baseball, I feel like, is. Now, you know, eventually it's going to change now because we're having the trade deadline moved up and all that. We're going to lose the waiver trade deadline. But... So many teams get better in July because the cost of getting better is willing to take on payroll.
1: And the cost, the cost it has never been cheaper to acquire good big league players. We talked about that last trade deadline, we talked about the trade deadline before, and the price just seems to be going down every single year. I'm still picking the Indians to win the division. I think the strength of that rotation is just overwhelming. But, and, and again, Ramirez and Lindor will still be there. I, I think Bowers has a chance to be a nice player. I, you know, Carlos Santana has still got something in the tank. Like, there's enough pieces there where I say they're still the defending champions. They're the ones that have been battle-tested. They, they've got this. I like what the Twins did. And what I mean by this, they're now not relying on, oh, well, if Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano ever figure it out, we'll be good again. They added enough guys to be good independent of that.
0: And if, if, these guys if are those good,
1: guys are good, then it takes another level. But Nelson Cruz can still mass. CJ Cron has shown again and again and again. I said it last year, and I'm saying that when he gets everyday playing time, he's a good player. He's John, solid. He's just fine. John, he's a 30 home run. He's a but. But home he run is bat. very
0: limited, too. Though that's the problem. Is that the, the
1: impact of the bat he provides is greater than what is coming out in the WAR measurements? Absolutely. And on top of that, Jonathan Scope to me is one of the prime bounce back candidates of this season. Lest we forget, in 2007, Jonathan Scope was an all-star who finished 12th in MVP voting. As a second baseman, popped 30 home runs, 290, 340, 500 slug. This was a guy who, at age 25, looked like he had figured it out, then he got stuck on that train wreck of an Orioles team. He wasn't very good with Milwaukee after the trade deadline, but I'll be curious to see. Again, I'm not going to make any bold predictions saying he will or he won't, but I think he has shown the ability to be a standout middle infield talent, and if he can rediscover that, I think this makes
0: the Twins that much more dangerous. I, I, I'm with you on Scope could end up being a solid player, and again, they have options. If he ends up not, this team will survive. They have options where it's like, okay, you know, we can move guys around Um, because they've developed a little bit of depth. I mean, it's not, again, it's not overwhelming depth, but they have a little bit of depth. And by the way, also second base is a position, as we've seen, that you can fix on the fly if you have to. Now, again, I'm less on Crone than you are because he's a low on-base per guy, and he's a low average guy. That means, like, the guy's never had a 500 slugging season, you know, in his career, and I believe he's like a 315, 320 on-base guy usually. So, again, he's good, but for a DH first baseman, that's not great. That's useful, not, you know, outstanding. But I just like, again, when I look at the depth of this lineup now, like you said, we're not, they're not counting on, it's not that they have to have Sano have a great year. But if Sano, you know, can get healthy and, uh, and Buxton can get healthy. But if those things can happen, to go with, if Kepler just makes a slight step forward, if Eddie Rosario just keeps being, you know, like a solid player. For, like,
1: for my money, Eddie Rosario is actually one of the most underrated players
0: in the major I can hit. You know, but and, again, if Jorge Polanco just take, you know, like, again, they're going to be a little better at catcher. You know, like, again, they've just made these slight increment, you know, if, if Williams Estadio just, you know, basically is a nice backup for them. And who, then, oh, by the way, they added Marwin Gonzalez. Do it, do everything guy. So I, right, again, Marwin Gonzalez, who you say, if you need him to play third, Okay, but if Sineau comes back and can play a plausible third, well, you could make Marlon Gonzalez your second baseman if it's not working out for scope. You could also play him, you know, occasionally almost anywhere else.
1: For, for me, the lineup depth of the Twins blows the Indians away. Well, yes, because the, 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 the Indians are starting to get a little too stars and scrubs for my taste. But again, Leonis Martin is a good player. I did like the Oscar Mercado acquisition. Again, they gave up a lot. John Torres looks like a great prospect, but Mercado is is coming into his own. The Indians aren't totally stars and scrubs. I don't want to make it seem like that. And again, I'm just going to remind I'm still picking them to win the division. I still think this is a 90-plus win team. Um, But I think they're more vulnerable than they've ever been, and I do think there is a chance that the Twins overtake them. And if they do, I wouldn't classify it as a shocker. I really wouldn't.
0: The, the key thing for me is, is Francisco Lindor going to get healthy quickly, and is he going to be back at full strength? pretty? Because, you know? I mean, if you wanted to say, how could this season fall apart for Cleveland and it goes really wrong, that's the starting point of it. It's like, you know, Lindor, you know, rec- recoveries rarely happen in less than the predicted time they often can take longer than the predicted time. And if is not healthy for a while, or Lindor's not healthy, you know, Lindor's injury lingers, you know, and you say, well, he's back, but he's not at 100%, things like that, then, you, then things could get rough pretty quickly. Again, my other concerns are, is, is you know, again, you, you mentioned the lineup, and one of my big things with that is, is that, again, they haven't been great at catcher, but... A Roberto perez Clevin Ploacki combo is not, does not give me a lot of comfort. Um, Kipnis has really declined the last few years at second base. And the bullpen, which was such a strength, is not the strength anymore.
1: Well, it was, it was a strength in 2017,
0: 16-17. Oh, 16, it was a 20, massive 2018,
1: strength. it was cover your eyes bad. And, and then they
0: tried to fix it at midseason. And it got a little red Hand,
1: Simber. But now they've lost a lot. Andrew Miller's gone. Cody Allen's gone. A lot of the guys who were the guys that, I mean, now it's Brad Hand. You know, if you believe in John Edwards and Adam Simber, cool, great. I don't see enough arms to get them through the season. I just
0: don't. Again, but the key... In the
1: bullpen, in the rotation, yes, in the bullpen.
0: Yeah, like I said, the rotation, I have... I have no problems with a Kluber, Bauer, Carrasco, you know, and then Clevenger, Clevenger, Bieber, Bieber and then Danny Salazar if he comes back ever healthy,
1: you know. And then you also still have, you know, guys can film the Aaron Savalas of the world. Tristan McKenzie is, you know, was it double A last year? There's enough starting arms there, but it's going to be tight. I actually think, and maybe this is just me and my weird brain, as a quote-unquote exciting as that Twins Indians race for the top is going to be, the bottom three of the Central is going to be kind of fun for me to see between the Tigers, the White Sox, and Royals. All right, JJ, who you got? Who I got is best or worst? Best. Who finishes third in this division? White Sox. Okay. Now, do they do that but still have a top 10 pick in the draft?
0: Uh, potentially. I mean, again, I think my concern with the White Sox is, said this on a White Sox uh, podcast not that long ago, where the point was at the time, at the time it was, Man, Machado and Harper were still out there. And the point I made at the time was, look, the concern is if they don't get one of these two guys, I just, I want to see another cornerstone guy. And having struck out on that, I really do look, and okay, I'm going to grant, I believe Eloy Jimenez is a cornerstone guy. You know, that's going to be a big bat in their lineup for... For years to come. What I am less confident on though is is so, okay, beyond that, if you're looking for a cornerstone guy, you are counting on Yoam Mankata making a big step forward, which is possible, but not guaranteed. Okay, Jose Abreu keeps it going, you know, for a cut, you know, but he's 32. Who's the when we talk about the 2020, because again we're not talking about the 2019 White Sox being, you know, uh, a playoff team. When we talk about the 2020, 2021, the end of this rebuild process, who's the other hang your hat on guy in that lineup? And that's and that and we've talked about that there isn't one, right? And okay, now. let's go to the minor leagues with them. I mean, again, eight... who's the other guy in the farm system right. who
1: besides Eloy? And and we were on the same page. There isn't one, but. I liked the rotation. For me, my answer was actually going to be the Tigers, and then Michael Fulmer got hurt. For me, it was, you know what, you looked and you saw, okay, you see Michael Fulmer, you see Matthew Boyd, you see Jordan Zimmerman, you see Tyson Ross. I actually kinda liked what I saw out of Spencer Turnbull last year, and none of these guys were great, but they had four guys who were average or better major league starters, which none of these other teams had anything like that. I thought that had a chance to get them to 70 wins and third place. Now that Fulmer was A, clearly not healthy, and B, is now out for the year following Tommy John surgery, that equation just changes. Which is crushing for them
0: also from a rebuilding standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I
1: still, and I say this, like, keep in mind everything is, comp, you know, none of this is good, but, okay, do you like the Tigers' lineup with Nick Castellanos and Kristen Stewart and Jaimer Candelario and Nico Goodroom, who popped up last year, and Josh Harrison, and, and if Miguel Cabrera comes back, do you like that more than a White Sox lineup with, you know, Jose Abreu, no, Ad, Daniel no. Paul, Schultz in power, no. waiting on Anderson. I, I, I think my Kata. answer is no. Okay, so that's like, I kind of like the Tigers lineup more. I do. No, t- see, I oh, don't. oh, you don't? Oh, I, okay.
0: I don't think that they have, besides Castellanos, who's the three-war player in that lineup? I don't think the White Sox have one either outside of Abreu. Eloy. Or, Eloy think, will, pretty, come, Eloy, up, will yes. be a three-plus-war player up.
1: this year, I believe. I, I, I believe that as well. I mean, again, it's more, I, I think there's, there's a, group a lot. of... You know, I do believe in Kristen Stewart. Like, there's a group of okay-ish hitters, potentially, but eh, look, it's not good. It's a none, lot, none, lot of guys of who are, good.
0: again, like, there's a lot of guys, when I look at this Tigers lineup, and this is fine, they're in the, they're in the early phases of a significant right, rebuild. This is a three to four year rebuild ahead, probably longer. If I look at this lineup and you ask me who from this lineup is going to be part of the next good Tigers team, and will be in that lineup. Again, if they keep Castellanos, okay. I can see it for Candelario and Stewart.
1: I can. I can also see it not, but I can see it. I was it. gonna say. I'm, I'm not gonna that, bang but that the is, table and you know, say and that is, and that's, a,
0: But that's basically it. You know, like, you know, again, you hope that there's a bounce back year that's still left in Miguel Cabrera because he's one of the great players of the 21st century. He is going to be 36 I, this year. I,
1: I, I will say, the next time the Tigers are good. Goku Capero might still be on the team. He'll be on the
0: contract. But, um, yeah, I, I,
1: you know, we talk, we talk about, like, the post-prospect guys, and I guess technically he's still a prospect. Dustin Peterson looked pretty good when I saw him in spring training, now that he's healthy. Not that he'll be great, but, you know, maybe he can do something for this lineup in a platoon role. Just a guy that might be interesting. Again, nothing I feel great about. This is. No, look, I was gonna say we're, 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 I'm, I'll <laughs> let you go on that limb. I'm not. I'm not. No, going I, there, again, you know. This is not that. I'm not. No, I'm not banging the table. Dustin Pearson's
0: my breakout guy. No, no, no. None of that. But I mean, to put it that way, like, okay, to finish with the Royals here. Of all these guys we're talking about, besides Eloy, Alberto Mondesi, still today, who by the way is still going to play a good bit of this year as a 23 year old, which is hard to remember because he's been around for forever, but. Oliver Tomondesi could still end up being a below-average big leaguer, or he could still end up being the best player that the Royals have for years to come. Like, that's there, there's such a wide range of variants because the tools are so astronomical, but at the same time, the plate discipline has also been so astronomically bad. And again, like, when I look at them, you know, I don't have a plausible path right now to you Know the plausible path is, is going to be playing at high a. Wilmington, and it's like, okay, all these you know, this draft they had last year of college pitchers. But I, I get what you're saying, right? Jorge Soler looked pretty good last year until his foot injury. Stay healthy,
1: yeah. Whit Merrifield is a, He's a very good player, very, very good player. Montesu was some steps forward.
0: Ryan Hearn went off after his uh, call up last year, and you have to hope that that is that but that's real, that that's real when it is far beyond anything he ever did in the minors.
1: I just, I, I can't get past this pitching staff. To me, I just, I just can't. I mean, you're talking about right now, especially when Duffy having shoulder tightness. Look, Brad Keller did well for himself. I think he's useful. Jake Junis has shown some flashes of being a decent number five, potentially, but I'm sorry, Homer Bailey should not be starting Major League Baseball games anymore. You're, you're hoping- Jorge Lopez, whatever. I, I just, to me, the, the Royals, I, this might come back to bite me. I struggle to see them avoiding 100 losses. They didn't last year. They were, they were pushing the Orioles for 110, 115 losses until the very end when, it got, when they, they had a push to avoid it. Even if they're 10 games better, this is still probably 100 losses. these team. are all, you know, we, we should like probably I, move on to the A-I-R-S I, 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 th- I think I can see the White Sox and Tigers getting to 70. I don't think they will. I can see the path, the Royals, I just don't. The West to me is probably the most fascinating because I think you have three teams where things could go a whole bunch of different ways. The Astros are the cream of this crop. There's no question about it. I don't see another team overtaking them. The A's won 97 last year. They did it because they had a lot of guys come out of the woodwork to save their rotation. Edwin Jackson, Trevor Cahill, they're both gone. They brought back Brett Anderson. They re-upped Mike Fiers. Marco Estrada had his worst year last year. You're hoping for some of these other guys to come back healthy. Jarrell Cotton, A.J. Puck, Lazardo's now down with a shoulder. We've seen moments, you know, they sent down Daniel Mangdon, which was interesting. Daniel Gossett's still around. There are some guys who, you know, at various points have shown you, hey, I can pitch a Major League Baseball game. Paul Blackburn. They're a really interesting team to me, because I like this offense, especially now with Ramon Laureano, probably gonna be cemented in that outfield every day. I think this is still a good team, I don't know if it's a team that I would pick to win 90 again because, and again, it's a good bullpen. That'll help. Um, But I actually think their pitching is, is, it's a little scarier to me this year than it was last year, especially because we've seen a lot of times the guys coming off of major surgeries, the TJs, the Pucks, and the Cottons of the world. They might come back this first year, but it's really the year after where they really start to click. So I, I think the A's are in decent shape to be a respectable team. I think they'll remain competitive through this year into next year. I just don't know. Again, last year I went out on the limb. I said they're my sleeper team. I'm not sure I can go there again this year, even though they might not technically be a sleeper.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say regression seems, you know, very plausible with them. I mean the other thing is is I just look at them and and I kind of I my team like that this year is is could this finally be the year the Angels do something they've had the best player of this generation and many generations and They haven't been able to do much of anything with that three straight losing seasons new manager
1: and but, So that's where and you're right that you can say hey, you know some talent They finally have some pitching depth because they've got the they home have grown, to they've had the homegrown pitching pipeline again with canning and Suarez but as we say that surprise surprise andrew heaney my elbow hurts going to open the season on the dl tyler skaggs forearm discomfort during spring training he will open on opening day healthy but the arms already flared up i mean it's annual with these guys they're gonna get hurt you know it's but, gonna happen but again, it's already the, happened but the
0: key thing that you mentioned there is is that the problem they've had in past years is they've had years where you said if Skaggs and Richards and you know and all these guys stay healthy they'll be okay But if not they're they immediately are they had to go sign Tim Lincecum and that right. was horrendous whereas this year Even with that they have and again the the real problem is this like I don't know who you're hoping's the ace of this staff but they Trevor still Trevor Cahill's the opening day starter You still can have five guys even with those injuries and then again as you mentioned you have Suarez you have Canning who you're not having to turn to on opening day, but who if you said you're going to need them at some point this year Well, those are very plausible guys who you could plug in
1: hey, look Berea, Jaime Berea has shown He's every bit a valuable big-league caliber starter You would mention you have Harvey and Cahill even if they regress and you know both of these guys Looked better last year than they did the year before. Mm-hmm. We're not sure which one of those is sustainable but look you have Berea, Suarez and Canning are still around Nick tropi- Nick Tropiano's still hanging in there Felix Pena came out of nowhere last year. They just acquired uh, Chris Stratton J.C. Ramirez will come back from Tommy John surgery midseason So th- they at least have numbers and I think that will help which them. is
0: huge because they never have numbers A- and, and that and again help. The lineup you just look at the lineup and you say okay, you know again, we they've had the Joe Odell injury is disappointing not because Joe Odell was going to be on their opening day lineup, but it does potentially slow down his time frame. And, you know, again, if you'd have said by the end of this year, I could have seen him up, you know, and it, and it makes that a little bit more difficult. That said, though, again, you look at them now and you say, okay, there's, again, Mike Trout is going to be asked to do a lot, but, uh, you know, Trout and Otani, you know, is a pretty good starting point for a lineup.
1: And we'll see exactly when Otani comes back, coming as a hitter. Right. That will be a key part. Of and that's, that's, that's the difference you know, between when he comes back. Justin Upton just ran into the wall at, uh, during the freeway series, getting an MRI in his big toe. So we have to see what that looks like. Um, Cole Calhoun w- was good after he came back last year, but the first part of the year was miserable. Zach Cozart's coming off an injury. So there's a lot of guys here who, you know, your quote-unquote guys you can count on, even they're a little bit shaky ground, health-wise particularly, just, again, given Cozart's season-ending injury last year. Upton, we'll see what his oh, toe it, situation is. Oh, it could go, go poorly. So I, I think for the Angels— you It's know, high variance. We, we, we at BA picked them second in the American League West as a staff. We picked them to win the American League's second wild card. And already, I feel a little shakier picking that today than I did when we made these predictions, just given Haney's elbow, Skaggs' forearm— Upton's toe it already right, now we again
0: Adele you know is out for a couple you know for six to eight weeks I believe at the earliest you know on top of that which again in the minors but a guy you know that That's another I mean that's their best prospect.
1: Yeah, and I'll be curious to see too with Brad Allsmus this year just how things are different managerially um, You know you, you can make assumptions based on previous experience. We saw what he did with the Tigers, but No one the first time they ever in, in any industry the first time someone ever does a job is not the who they're gonna like people evolve, people change, people learn, and so I'll just be curious to see. That's kind of an unknown X factor here. So who do you have in second? The angels or the A's in this division?
0: I guess that so right now I have the Angels. I may be wrong, but that's that's where I go, you know, is, is that I do think um, you know, but like you said, this is a division that you know, I mean the Astros are clearly a notch above. So okay, so who do you have at the bottom of the division?
1: And so that's kind of gonna be kind of fun to me just to see. The Mariners, they sold off. This was a, a rebuild-esque sell-off in that they traded away James Paxton. They traded away Edwin Diaz. They traded away Gene Segura. They traded away Robinson Cano. They traded away a lot of decorated, accomplished players. Alex Colomay, they traded away. They traded away a lot of decorated, accomplished players who helped them win eighty nine games last year. But I look at the final product. This is not a terrible team.
0: It's not it is not a it's, actually, it's, it's not the Orioles lineup we're talking about.
1: It's 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 better than the White Sox, better than the Tigers, it's better than the Royals, it's better than the Orioles. You look at that's a really good outfield. Malik Smith, Domingo Santana, Mitch Hanniger. That is a,
0: that is It's a fine outfield.
1: Last year's Mariners outfield was, I believe, depending on your metric, it was like 10th or 11 in the major leagues. I think this is a team that is a top half of outfield baseball. What and, the top and, half, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I could see really good. I could, like I could see it being closer to top third when all said no. I can absolutely see that. I believe that much in Domingo Santana, Mitch Haniger, and Malik Smith. The pitching staff look: Mike Leake is getting up there, Felix Hernandez is getting up there, but Leake can still give you something. You, you know say Kikuchi is a nice addition. I think Justice Sheffield will be up. There's now some depth guys that can come up and help, Eric Swansons, the Justin Dunn's of the world. I do pick the Mariners to finish fourth. I think a lot of other teams, when you see trades of a rebuilding nature that they made this offseason, you would just drop them to the bottom of their respective standings. I don't see that with them. I, I think this is a team that has enough to be decent and, and put a respectable product out on the field Pitching health is going to be a big part of that and I think they'll not only finish fourth I think they'll finish fourth comfortably and if these angels injuries come back
0: and crush them
1: Could I see them sneaking into third? Sure
0: Well, how about you want to talk about the high variance all-stars? What about the Rangers? Like again? I know you're clearly picking the Rangers fifth. I am and I follow that especially by the
1: way of Healy and Seeger, who who were bad last year I don't think they're that bad. Both of those are better players than they showed last year. I think, I think the Mariners will be ahead
0: comfortably. But, but going what, back to the Rangers, what, yes. find, what I find fascinating about the Rangers is, is that so the Rangers are going to open this season with a rotation of, of named guys. Like they're all guys, there's no part of their rotation where you say, likelier to say, who's that guy? Mike Miner, Edison Volquez, Lance Lynn, Drew Smiley, Shelby Miller. Now that said, literally none of them, with the yeah, kind of exception of minor, like most of these guys, you know, it's, it's coming off of, you know, there, there's a significant hickey in the not so distant past.
1: Smiley and Volquez, both coming off Tommy John surgery, have not pitched in the major since. Shelby Miller, 6.35 ERA since coming back from his Tommy John surgery. Lance Lynn's coming off his worst season as a
0: professional. They gave him $30 million. But that said, again, these are the high-variance All-Stars. What I mean by that is, is like, now counting on all five of these guys to hit is almost impossible. That would be, like, I'm going to roll, you know, I'm going to roll Snake Eyes, then I'm going to follow it up by rolling Snake Eyes again and do it again. However, for a rebuilding team, I kind of like what they're doing here because if you told me that Drew Smiley or Edison Volquez or Lance Lynn had a good first half, Any of those is plausible to me. And they would get, so they would get a first half where it's like, oh, this guy was, you know, like every fifth day, he actually kept us in a game. And then come mid-season, you say, hey, we're going to trade these guys. Now, admittedly, you're not going to get a ton for them. But, you know, for a team that is utterly rebuilding, I mean, completely rebuilding, I, I, It is, they are basically, they're taking five flyers in the rotation and seeing, now partly they have to do that also because they have not produced homegrown pitching.
1: And and I wrote about this in our our Baseball America season preview. I I went back and looked it up, uh, because I knew it was bad and I wanted to get exactly how bad it was. Um, From 2009 through 2015, the Texas Rangers picked 22 pitchers in the top five rounds of the draft. Not a single one Produce more than one career war. 0 for 22. And that's kind of why they are where they are right now. That plus, you know, look, they made some trades when they were contending, as they should have. They were right to do mm-hmm. that. Again, the Rangers were a team that had made the playoffs three times in their entire franchise's existence up through 2009. That then made the playoffs five times in seven years, went back to back World Series. They had to make some prospects. That that's a great to. run. Great run. They were absolutely right. The bills just come due. the Rangers to me you know, talk about, okay, if one of these guys hits, they get something at the trade deadline. Cole Hamels's got them Eddie Butler and Raleigh Lacy last year. like we, we're seeing it that for whatever reason yes no, impact no big leaguers get you so little at the deadline, and the cost of acquiring them is is so minimal now that Again, even if these guys
0: do a whole lot, I don't think it's going to get them. And you're much. not going to have the fun of watching Adrian Beltre play. which so, is so f-
1: disappointing. So for me, the Rangers are in that place, and I think they know this. They're 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 in the place. They just have to wait. They just have to wait for the the arms in their system to come up. And you know, Jonathan Hernandez got to Double A last year, struggled there, but you know, there's some real there's some real juice in there. They acquired Taylor Hearn in the Keone Keeler trade last offseason, which I thought was actually under the radar, one of the better moves a rebuilding team made at last year's deadline. I think Taylor Hearn can help them in some form or fashion. But they're waiting for Hans Kraus. They're waiting for Colwyn. They're waiting for Joe Palumbo. This is not a team that's gonna contend until this wave of pitchers comes up. And by the time that happens, you know we'll have to see if Mazzara and Andrus and Odor and Joey Gallo are all still guys that are there or if they've moved on, because pitchers take a while, as we've discussed. Um, Again, I think Odor very quiet. I, don't think, I don't think Odor did quietly have a nice bounce back year last year. He got better. No more Mazzara keeps hitting exactly 20 home runs. He's still young. There's still room for growth. You and I are probably the, the player JJ and I probably disagree the most on in this entire world is Joey Gallo. I, I, I just, well, I, I should not be mean. Joey – If I was building a team, I would not want Joey Gallo on.
0: Oh, if I'm a rebuilding team, I again. No,
1: I mean any, any team, a contending team. I don't, I don't well, see, have Joey again, Gallo. My, my
0: thing is, is, if you're a rebuilding team, Joey Gallo's the kind of guy you give at bats. You know why?
1: Yes, if you're a rebuilding team, yeah, I, they're I, a rebuilding team. Yes, and they
0: are. Re, Joey Gallo is the kind of guy you give at bats because if Joey Gallo hits, again, we just talked about Chris Davis and how bad Chris Davis is now. But when Chris Davis was good, Chris Davis was a drive the train type of middle of the lineup guy. Joey Gallo can be that guy. Now, again, what, what is the percentage likelihood of that? Maybe it's 20%. Maybe it's 10%. But he has yeah.
1: a chance to do that. Yeah, Chris Davis in his prime years was hitting 270, 286, 260. Joey Gallo has never, and again, he's only been around for parts of you know, two full years, has never hit higher than 209. Yes. To, to me, Joey Gallo's, uh, again. T- so, for me, yes, this is the type of player you give a, a, a yes, a again, rebuilding you're, team. You're, they should play, him. they should play him. I'm just saying, the idea that he's going to be a by cornerstone the way, for their next contending lines,
0: team, I don't buy it. Chris Davis, you know, had years like that coming up. You know, again, they weren't they were both less productive and more productive, but like Chris Davis's 238, 284, 442 season in 2009. Was not a year that you go, okay, you know, you're gonna see this, you know, this guy turn into a 50 home run guy. Again, it's a high risk that he, there's a high likelihood he never does that. That said, he's exactly the kind of guy that a rebuilding team can give Joey Gallo 500 at bats and a contending team can't.
1: And that's where you are. Oh, I agree they should play him this year, but I think, where I think I was going, when I look at this Rangers line, how many of these guys on this team do you say? I want them on this team the next time we're competitive.
0: So if you're saying it's three years out, Elvis Andrews is going to be too old at that point. You know, I mean, no, again, this is part of the problem. This is that, okay, maybe Mazzara, maybe Gallo,
1: To, to me, maybe the, the
0: Shields. To me, the answer is two. It's Mazzara and Odor. That's it. And again, when you talk about Rohit Odor, he's also got a 50% shot that you're not going to want him on that. Because, yeah. uh, again...
1: In truth, Elvis Andrews he, so he signed through 2022. Like He'd still do something for you. Last year was not a good year, but, yeah, but he'd been a, better. A 32, 16,
0: 33-year-old Elvis Andrews who's not giving you the defense is not, you know. It's,
1: yes, the, the value drops significantly. So, again, I think, and again, the Rangers had an incredible run. It was absolutely worth it. The Bills just coming due. I, I just have a very hard time seeing them. Again, I think they'll be the best of the last place teams. They're certainly better than the Orioles. They're certainly better. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. They're certainly better than the Royals. And I think there's a good chance they're better than the Tigers and White Sox, too. But if all that's true, this is still one of the five worst teams in the American League. And I think a, a team that will have another top 10 pick this coming uh, draft in 2020, which again is probably, you know, just, just it's where they are. Um, and it could change. Again, they have Krause on the way, they have Cole Wynn on the way. You know, maybe again, Joe Palumbo's. You know, came back last year from Tommy John surgery. He's shown some good things. There, there's talent on the way. It's not like it's barren. It's just going to be a while. And I think that, again, this is a team that's win total um, was in the 60s last year. I think we're looking at it being in the 60s again this year. And I, I have a tough time seeing them getting to 70 wins. Whereas, even with the Mariners and all the trades away they made. I can see them getting that win total into the 70s number. I can. i I, I struggle to do that with the Rangers. Yeah. All right. So we talked about earlier. You've, uh, we've been on the podcast for an hour and 17 minutes. Breakout. The guy you think is going to be pretty good. And it can be under the radar. For me in the American League, and someone mentioned this on the chat, and it's, it's a guy I had considered uh, in our Baseball America season preview. Again, go ahead and pick it up on newsstands now. We all pick our our breakout pick for the upcoming season, uh, breakout hitter and breakout pitcher. I went with uh, a different person in the American League. I think Willie Adamas, what he showed at the end of last year, I think he's primed to explode this year in his first full season. But I did think about Jorge Soler as a guy. Physicality has always been there, just never had the playing time opportunities with the Cubs, finally got it with the Royals last year, and and we started to see it really get better, and then he has a season-ending injury middle of the year. I think he'll be someone that, again, good age, good health, opportunity, low-pressure environment. He was a highly-ranked prospect for a long time, got a lot of money to sign out of Cuba. I think this is possibly the year we see it all come together and be like, okay, that's what the Cubs were thinking when they gave him the big signing bonus. That's why, you know, the prospect world was excited about him and knew his name for a while. So, so Adamus was my pick in print in the magazine, and I believe that every bit of the way. Um, Jorge Soler is someone else I think could be primed for a big year this year as a breakout.
0: I, I've gone around. There's a couple of guys. Like, I do think, you know, I, I still have this – latent belief in Byron Buxton, and maybe this is the year that Buxton stays healthy and, 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 uh, and produces, you know. I think, it, again, and when we say that, like, he can be so good defensively that if he does that, you know, that may be enough where if he's just a solid hitter, he can be really good.
1: Well, um, it's an interesting question. What, for you, is the offensive numbers he has to get to for you to, you, know, you mentioned just has to be a solid hitter. What is that threshold for you, given his ability to play defense, that, that you feel like he needs to be able to hit? If he does
0: 270, 330, 340, 420, 430, I think his defense with that, like right. that, then he's a Kiermeier type. I mean, i like, even go, I mean, what he did, you know. He did he that, I mean, because he, he did to, that one time. Well,
1: well it wasn't going do that one time, He was but, a little worse, but it's 250, 253, 314, 413. If he can just do that, that 250, 320, 410, that's playable. And with his defense and his speed, that's a useful bit. It's not a star, it's not an all-star, it's not a cornerstone, but he's at least a guy you can hit eighth, let him play great defense, and, and do enough for you. He has to get to that, because his career averages right now of 230, 285, 387, that's not playable, even with his defense. So for me, it, it just gets that 250, 320,
0: 410, That's the playable threshold to me. So I would say him, uh, another guy I'll throw out there again that I think is a high risk, but it would not shock me if Alberto Mondesi ended up being one of the better shortstops in the American League this year. It is, it is also would not shock me if he basically, if Nicky Lopez was their shortstop come August because it had gone so poorly that they had, you know, that they were trying something else. But the tools are exceptional. Um, and he's really been pushed always so fast, you know, again, he's only 23 years old that maybe finally he has a chance to kind of catch up. And we saw flashes of it last year. You know, you're talking about an 80 runner. You're talking about at least a 70 arm. You're talking about at least, you know, again, power potential to be a 15, 20, 25 home run guy. All those things in shortstop would be exceptional, but, It all comes down to, can he tighten up his plate discipline to the point where, you know, he's swinging at strikes and he's got a 320 on base, a 330 on base. You know, that would be a very, a very significant step forward for him.
1: Yeah, and and, we talk about these two guys. So we both picked a Royal and, You know, I I think back to uh, the 2003 Tigers, I call them the Robert Fick All-Stars because Robert Fick was their representative that year. They were terrible. It's always kind of fun for me to pick out, all right, who's going to be the All-Star from these last place teams? I think right now you have to give the edge to Whit Merrifield on the Royals, but I can see it being Soler or Mondesi. Because, you know, what's going to happen is the teams that are competitive are going to get their guys picked, and whatever roster spot happens to be left, they'll fill in with the favorite Royal, favorite Oriole. But yeah, Michael Givens potentially, you know, Adelberto Mondesi. I mean, this could be the year that they are this. Uh, they are the Robert Fick All Stars of 2019. JJ, it's uh, it's been fun previewing the American League with you. Uh, we're going out for an hour and twenty minutes, and honestly, I I could keep going more, but we have other work we have to get done. Yep. Um, opening day is is right. It's here. We've made it through an off season, and uh, the American League is going to be. A, a, I don't know if interesting is the word I'd say, but there'll be some interesting developments in the sense that I think the second wild card's wide open. The central could be competitive. And there's always a breakout guy. Again, your Cy Young Award last year, winner last year, Blake Snell, breakout guy. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be someone who really, uh, really takes a step up. Thank you again to everyone for listening to uh, our American League Preview podcast. If you liked it, go ahead and let us know on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, we appreciate your feedback as always. Make sure and pick up uh, an issue of the Baseball America Major League Season Preview and Top 100 Prospects issue that's on newsstands now. Uh, subscribers already have it. We've got the Minor League Preview coming out start of April, so you'll have that in hand for Minor League Opening Day. A lot of good stuff as always. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.